and 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 a lot, a lot of people when they hear that they they get the shock of their life but that is because Bonani, I'm going to be invisible for this particular, actually for every single episode, I'll be invisible. Um, and welcome to the episode of Tundana Nokolo Confronting Faith. Today we'll be in conversation with Uvus Mazibugo and Edmond Mtimunye, where we'll be talking about e-Bible literacy. All right, so um, gentlemen, welcome yet again. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if you we need some introductions or is there anything that needs to be issued out before? No intros. We're good. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, let's just mainly okay, get no, into I was, it. Um, I was just assuming that the last time we, we did the video and so I I gave my intro, so I, I was assuming yeah. we do, we Edmond will be giving you as well. Okay, okay. Then uh, introduce yourself. No, I already. I didn't introduce myself the last time. No, you didn't. This is new. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, uh, this is Edmond Timunye. Pleasure to be with you. Awesome stuff. Um, I think let's just straight up proceed um, into it. So Bible literacy, um, obviously Bible literacy is one thing that is much of um, a lack within the, the Christian community at best. And today, one of the questions which we'll be starting mainly with to ask is going to be, what is Bible literacy and why is it really important leading up to that question? I think we'll start over from who. Edmonte. Okay. Uh, Bible literacy. Okay, we all know that literacy means to be educated or to have knowledge about something. So, Bible literacy in simple terms means being educated in the scriptures, knowing the scriptures, and understanding the scriptures of the Bible in simple terms. Yeah. And and why is it important for, for somebody to really know Bible literacy? Okay. Uh, first of all, the Bible or the Word of God is very important in terms of giving men the guideline to live right according to God himself. So the reason why it is important, this Bible literacy, is for every single human being to know why, or rather to know what God expects of us as human beings and how we should conduct ourselves 
and how we should live mm -hmm. before him. Yes. Okay. Um, I'll give it over to Wilson now. Same question. What is Bible literacy and why is it important? Before we, we get a little bit into it. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. No, no, no. I just want to agree uh, fully with what Edmund just said now. Um, it's it's concisely that it's, you know, it has to do with knowing the scriptures. Um, perhaps what I would add is, is this, though, that it, it's not just knowing the scriptures, but it is knowing them for the purpose of applying them in life. Um, I think it is in Jeremiah. I'm looking at the verse just now here, Jer um, Jeremiah 9, uh, verse 24, for instance. This is God speaking. He says to Jeremiah, let the one who boasts uh, boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me or that they know me. And so basically the Bible you know, is a self-revelation of God. God in scripture reveals himself. He reveals his person, his personality. Perhaps with more application to us, it is that God not only reveals himself, but he reveals his plan, his salvation plan, his redemption plan. Right, how he's planning to save humankind, you know, by what means he saves humankind, what is the purpose of the salvation that God is working out in his creation, particularly as it pertains to us people. So um, just to recap quickly, I think Edmund got it right, but then what I would add would be the, the applicational aspect of it, because the Bible is not just an information book, right? And by the way, it's not even a scientific book. And by that, I mean, it is not a book that has to do with that, that is primarily concerned with giving scientific facts. It's not a philosophical book. It's not a mathematical book. And that is not to say, though, that it does not say anything to do with those different um, epistemologies like science or philosophy or mathematics or any other field. So it does touch on those, but it is not primarily about that. It is primarily about the self-revelation of God himself and his plan to redeem humankind. You know, the purpose and all of that that goes together with with, with our salvation. So, yeah, I guess I've answered both aspects mm -hmm. of the question. Okay, not, not precisely. I'll actually now go into in terms of the importance um, of Bible literacy, especially in the, in the modern society as well. Yeah, well, I said, you know, uh, let me just jump in there. I mean, as I, as I said, uh, the, the applicational aspect of it, that is what answers the question of the importance of it, right? Because yeah. scripture, as I said, it is not merely an information book. It is an applicational book. It affects life, right? It doesn't end only with yeah. what the old um, theologians would call head knowledge. It's not just head knowledge. It's heart knowledge as well, because it affects the heart, mm -hmm. it affects emotions, it affects affections, it affects ultimately how you live your life out there in the world, which is exactly what um, what Edmond mentioned as well. Well, but then, yeah. you know, by extension, we can then go on to say that the importance of it will also have to do with being able to avoid um, false teachings, because by, 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 by virtue of understanding scripture, you would be also understanding what would be false, right? So you would think of the Bible as a ruler, as a straight ruler, and anything that doesn't abide by that straight ruler would be false information or false teaching. And as I said, that is merely the extension of what would then be the importance of Scripture. 
But again, I do not want us to lose sight of this. The most important applicational aspect of scripture, it is how to, you know, to, to, to know God, who God is, and how that applies in our lives. That, in my opinion, is the center of, of the importance of scripture. These other things are merely extensions of the importance of scripture. Oh, okay. Um, any point to possibly argue there? No, nothing to argue. Everything no. that uh, Mr. Mazibuko has said, including what he has added, I don't know what I have said, is completely correct and accurate. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think now we've come to the, the, the point of application. Hmm. When we are saying you are applying scripture, how would one really go around understanding how to really apply it, right? Because at most people just know how to really just act in accordance to what they are really being told. They're really just being pushed in a, should I say, a, is it a stroller, right? To say this is how you really um, apply the word. But how would you then be ascertain that it is that very application that you need to, how do you know how to apply scripture in itself. I think that would be one one question. And I believe since you are the, the one who mentioned it, so I'll start with, with yourself there. Yeah, sure. And I think it's, it's a very good question. Um, and it touches on a number of important aspects. So number one, it touches on the aspect that if scripture is important, scripture must then be applied. But if scripture is going to be applied, we will have to understand what it means by what it says, right? Because we go into scripture and we find that it says a whole lot of things. So we would then have, so it is incumbent upon us to understand what it means by what it says, right? Um, so that would be, um, I guess, something important to mention when, when somebody asks about, uh, you know, the, the, the application of scripture. Um, then that goes into um, what, 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 you know, students of the Bible would then call hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is the science of studying the Bible, the science of understanding scripture, the way, the, the principles that we apply to understand what a biblical verse or a biblical passage means by what it says. And so the, 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 the most fair and honest way to deal with the scriptural text in that way would be, I mean, to follow the grammatical form of scripture the way it is, right? Follow the grammatical structure of any passage that you're looking at. Follow that structure without being mystical. And by that, I mean, without in your head thinking of some superficial things going on in your head. No, follow the, 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 the grammatical structure of a text. For instance, John 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. Every single word there, every grammatical aspect of that passage is important in any of us understanding what that passage actually means by what it says. So you then look, I mean, it is even almost as if what we would do when we study any English text. You look at the verbs, look at the subjects, look at the conjunctions, look at the prepositions. All of those things are important for us to understand uh, what the Bible means by what it says. And the second aspect to that would be, you know, going back to the historical context, which, and this is the very thing, I hope we can talk more about this. This is the very thing that is missing in modern 
interpretation or modern understanding of scripture. A lot of people today ignore this particular aspect of going back to the historical context. Go back to the original audience. Go back to the author. Go back to the political aspect, the political background. Go back to those things because scripture is an ancient book, right? It was written by people, to people. And when I say it was written by people, that is a, it's an author with a small A. The capital A would be God himself, obviously. Every scripture is breathed out by God. But still, you know, God used human beings, small A authors, who communicated to people who were in particular circumstances. If we today, 2,000 years later, 3,000 years later, are going to understand what the Bible means by what it says, we will have to transport ourselves back to the original historical context in which any particular passage was written, if we are ever going to understand by what it means, by what it says. So um, back to your question again, you, you know, how to go about applying scripture, we need to recognize that scripture has been communicated to us by God, but it actually is, has meaning. It means something. And in order for us to understand that something which scripture means, we need to follow basically, you know, its structure, its grammatical structure, I mean, and then go back to those historical contexts, see what was happening at the time, and then you'll understand what actually the Bible means uh, by what it says. Um, and I'm saying all these things assuming that pe the people that will be listening to this is actually Christians. Because if it's not Christians, then I will have to go all the way and say, you cannot actually understand scripture if you're not born again. You know, the Bible is a spiritual book written by God himself. First um, Corinthians 2.14 will tell us that to a natural man, things that we find in the Bible are foolishness, you see. So I would go and talk more about that if I was just assuming that I'm talking to, um, to non-Christians. But since we are talking to Christians in this case, maybe it's not even necessary to toggle to talk about that aspect as well. But for Christians, two important aspects. The grammatical structure that we find in scripture, and the historical background. Those are important in how we can know what it means so that we can then be able to apply what it means in our lives as well. So, yeah, thanks. Okay. Um, I would then ask the very same question to Edmond, which is, uh -huh, which is how to apply um, the, the, the the scripture in mm. itself, right? More especially in terms of how people are then being told to say this is how to apply it, but then how do you know to apply it when you look at it <laughs> again? Mm. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh, first of all, we know that there's nothing new under the sun, right? So the application of the scriptures is not a myth. And it's not something that is mystic, right? So, as the scriptures say, everything that was written of our time was written for our learning, right? So, the situations that the saints of old or the people of old that the scriptures speak of, the very same problems that they were experiencing are the same problems that are existing today. And the word does not change. So, according to the things that are written and how they solve and apply the scriptures in their lives, 
still remains relevant today, which takes us back to Bible literacy. If you are Bible literate, if you study the scriptures with understanding, then you will know how to apply the correct scripture, where to apply the correct scripture, and how to apply the correct scripture in life. Yes. Okay, okay. I think any room for argument there? It's all good on your side. Yeah, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Um, yeah, I believe you guys spoke something historical there in a way of saying there was a way in which people did it back then. I think that should be a topic for another day. We'll, we'll, we'll see it. We'll figure it. Um, I think it would prolong. It would go. It would go long because I was kind of drafting and checking out what questions can really come out of it. And there's a lot. So I think that deserves its own episode altogether. Right? Um, so with most I'm of gonna of jump these, in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um I, I feel I need to clar to clarify that historical background aspect. Um because mm -hmm. you know I just need to make sure that it's not mis misunderstood. Um and it's not mm -hmm. something that's far from people. No. It's 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 things that you can understand if you diligently um study them, read them, you'll easily understand them. Let me give an example of what I mean by that. For instance, in, in Ephesians 6, if we find Paul, for instance, saying that um, we need to put on the full armor of God, put on the full armor of God, right? And then if you keep reading from mm -hmm. verse 10, keep reading in that passage, he then begins to list these different elements of an armor. Well, those different elements of an armor that Paul talks about, some of those things if you can think of um, the, the military in modern times, some of those things don't apply. An example would be the sword. The sword. He speaks of the sword, right? So if you miss the element of going back to the original background, original context, well, there's no way you can make sense of that. He speaks about the helmet. He speaks about the breastplate. He speaks about, you know, the sword, the shoes, all of those things. Those things were actually things that were worn by soldiers in those days when they went out for battle. So what Paul does there is that he takes mm -hmm. a familiar picture, a picture that everybody that is writing to would know about. That is a picture of a soldier who is wearing the full armor. And then Paul takes that, uses that as a figure to now explain this spiritual armor that we as the children of God can actually put on. So the point is this, that if we do not make means to go back to the original context, then there's so much that we're going to miss out. For instance, here's another one. In First Peter, Peter says some, something like this, get up your loins, get up your loins. I can tell you that sort of statement, get up your loins, was completely understandable to the audience that he was writing to. But get up your loins to modern readers does not make sense at all. You'll have to go back to the original context and actually know that the soldiers in those days used to wear a belt around themselves and they had to get it up. They had to tighten it up so that, you know, the enemy doesn't use it to catch them or it doesn't trip them on the way and things like that, right? So you realize that actually Peter is using a picture of something that was familiar in those times 
that his audience would easily understand. So he takes that and he uses it as a figure to express how Christians need to live their lives. So I guess, you know, I was just trying to, to clarify what I mean by, by going back to the original context. So, so I think is, what you're you know, saying sorry, is... I mean, this is just yeah. everywhere, man. Uh, it, it, it's everywhere. I mean, think of the Lord is my shepherd. Well, that's David. He's in the field. He's a shepherd himself leading a flock. He takes that, he uses that as a picture, right, to then express, you know, this reality of the Lord being his, his, his guide, of the Lord being his protector, of the Lord being his, his sustainer and his shepherd and things like that. Everywhere in Scripture, there is a an immediate context, a background that applies at time, which modern readers would do very well to go back there, find out the background, the historical background, then you can only, and only then, can you be able to properly and correctly and accurately apply that particular scripture in your life in modern times. So, so basically, analogies in accordance to the times a little bit more important so that um, it can be easier for one to be Bible literate. I think that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, they're extremely important. If you miss them, I don't know how far you're going to go with your Bible literacy. Oh, okay. okay. 100% understood. Do you want to add something on that? You could on that. Oh, okay, I think the next one that we're going to really move into is does scripture um bible literacy or basically the knowledge of scripture validate one's salvation or is my salvation independent of the word obviously oh. mm-hmm. uh, i don't think that salvation is independent of the word of god because for you to accept salvation you first need to understand what you have received so the problem is so many people today they claim that they have salvation they claim that they have received salvation but they do not know the word they do not know the meaning of salvation they do not know what it means you see so you cannot say that the word of god is independent of one's salvation you cannot separate them, actually. You cannot separate them. Okay, okay. And yourself, Wilson? Um, I, I just want to completely agree with, with, with Edmund, although I'm going to add, you know, um, an aspect which I, I believe it's very important. But let me, you know, just also add to what he just said now, you know, because I completely agree with it. Um, mm-hmm. For instance, Romans 10, verse 14 reads, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they heard? And how can they hear without somebody preaching to them? Well, what you find in this, in this passage or in this verse, it's the message that people will have to hear and will have to correctly understand and correctly receive in order for them to be saved, right? People to have the accurate understanding of the gospel, let's say, in order for them to be to be saved. Uh, perhaps even, you know, just to strengthen them a bit, a bit more, um, Ephesians 1, I'm reading verse 13. Paul says, 
And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. You were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. You see, yet again, there you find an emphasis on correct understanding of what is being spoken or taught. That must be correctly understood um, if, if, if people are to be saved. But, you know, mm -hmm. I need to add this, and I'm going to give a scriptural um, basis for it. You remember that incident in, in Acts 19, for instance, Paul is going around an area called Ephesus, and he meets some people whom scripture describes as disciples in verse 1, uh, Acts 19, verse 1. Scripture calls these people the disciples. Well, in the context of Acts, the disciples are only one. It's only the disciples of Jesus. There are no other disciples. Um, but you find something very interesting here. In verse 2, Paul, as soon as he, he meets these guys, he asks them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, here's a point that I would love to clarify, okay? And please listen to my words very carefully because it's such a precise clarification. If, if we miss out on the weight, then I think I, I'm running the risk of being misunderstood. Let me say what I just said now in agreement with Edmond, full agreement. The correct gospel must be proclaimed and people need to hear the correct gospel if they are to be saved. If, they, if there's any hope for them to be saved, they must hear the one true gospel of Jesus Christ if they are to be saved. But, and here's the clarification, it does not mean that born-again people or saved people do not hold to some false ideas about God or about Christ, about any other aspect of our salvation or any other aspect of Scripture. No, you do find Christians who still are growing. In fact, even the, 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 the whole idea of growing is that here is somebody who at the time knows only little. And some of what he actually knows might actually be wrong. But this person is still a believer, right? So I just want to clarify and say that you can still be a believer while at the time you still, you know, hold to some erroneous beliefs, either about scripture or about Christ. I mean, in this case, you find the disciples in Acts 19 who didn't understand the Trinity, who didn't understand the triune God. They call the Holy Spirit a Holy Spirit. Yet Luke, the author of Acts, calls them the disciples, right? So the point is this, these are true disciples who still need to grow in other areas of Christian doctrine. But in order for you to be saved, you must correct, um, you must correctly understand the one true gospel if you are to be saved. I hope that makes, uh, makes sense. Okay, okay. Any, any add-ons or? Okay, no problem. So um, 100%, now understanding that part of it, what would we really speak, we would want to really speak on the current state of Bible literacy in churches? I think that's one, one question. And the other question would be, how would we then, with so many um, teachers of the word, how would we then minimize um, misinterpretation and contradiction of, um, of scripture as well? I think that would be um, one of um, the other questions in that case. So we'd like to start. I mean, you can go first. 
Edmund. Okay. For you to understand the current state of the church when it comes to Bible literature, uh, you will first have to look at the state of the flock mm -hmm. or the disciples of Christ, the modern disciples of Christ. You see, actually, when you study the scriptures, you find that most of the early saints if not all, seem to have a greater and a deeper understanding of the word of Bible literature compared to modern Christians. Yet when you study the writings of the New Testament by the apostles, you'll hear them saying words like, we should go unto perfection. We should lay aside the, 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 the fundamentals and move to perfection, move to a greater understanding and a greater place whereby we grow in the knowledge of Christ and in the knowledge of the scriptures. Yet today, many people seem to go backwards compared to those of the old times. But logically speaking, you would expect the modern saints to have a greater understanding and a greater knowledge and possess a greater Bible literature compared to those which are of the old days. So I wouldn't really say that the state of the church today when it comes to Bible literature is as great as it should be. There's too much ignorance, too much misunderstanding of the scriptures. It's a disaster, man. Okay. I think that answers one of the, the other questions. I'm just going to allow that one to be very simple. Let's just go back to um, the same question unto you as well. The current state of Bible literacy in a church. Yeah, um, yet another good question. You, you keep asking these wonderful questions, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, um, I... I I think Edmund named it there. Um, I think by all standard, standards of fairness, we must admit that the, the level of literacy in terms of scripture today, it is far, far much lesser compared to, um, you know, the ancient times or say the early Christians. And sometimes not even in the, in the early Christian church, um, even in modern history, just now, not too long ago, like a few hundred years ago, um, you did find Christians that were so familiar with scripture that, you know, could correctly divide the word of God and be able to apply it in their lives. And yet a lot of that, it's, it's actually missing today. And I think it is, it, it is an indictment to modern Christians. And here's why I'm saying that today, unlike in the past, you can take your small pocket size, uh, smartphone, go into your internet, click, and you have the whole of scripture. Click, you have good commentaries. Click, you have excellent Christian books. You know, click, you've got wonderful uh, Christian newsletters and things like that. And so today we are actually exposed to so, there's just so much information that we could make use of 
And yet, I mean, as I said, that is the indictment, right? That while we have so much at our disposal, we are not using it. I don't know. Maybe this barrage of, of information is actually one of the reasons why um, so many Christians today are shallow, you know, they're inconsistent, um, because just so mm. much they're exposed to. Um, you know, there's, there's less opportunity, there's less time for people to concentrate on one thing and master it. Because while they're busy with one, they go on to the next, go on to the next, and therefore they become shallow in all. They become jack of all trades, but actually know nothing because they are so shallow. They are, their attention is so divided into so many things, not only the things of God, but so many other things that have nothing to do with Scripture. There is Twitter, there is WhatsApp, there is Facebook, there is Instagram, TikTok, all of those things. You'd find that Christians today would devote so much of their quality time to those things rather than scripture. And so it's no surprise at all that you do find Christians today who are so, so clueless when it comes to scripture. Um, but at the same time also, you know, the picture is not that bleak. You do find Christians still today who would be generally um, well literate in scripture, who would, you know, who'd know their way around the scriptures of God. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, um, Generally, Bible literacy today, it's not as well as it should be, especially in light of the opportunities, uh, the access to information that we have today relative to um, or even opposed to the times that the electricians lived in. So, yeah. I think I, I heard mostly in terms of saying that there's so much, obviously so much information and, you know, um, it, it reminds me of something that I just came across in my mind at some point, um, which um, basically says that fond of what's rare, but not but not that is so much to bear, right? So I'm not fond of that, which is so much to bear. In this case, too much information is just too bad for us in a way. <laughs> so too much of a good thing is, is bad as well in a way. Um, yeah, but, but I'm going to add then, something. Yeah, no problem. Uh, the the fact that we have too ma- too much information to today, it's no excuse for any Christian not to know Scripture. People mm-hmm. should just know where to devote their, their quality time, and that is in Scripture, understanding the things of God. Um, mm-hmm. And so, too much information does not necessarily uh, prevent anybody from knowing anything. It simply provides you more opportunities than you can actually handle for you to know much. So it's actually an, an advantage rather than a disadvantage. Um, so people should just know where to invest their time well. Yeah, I keep. Okay. Awesome. Need anything to add? For all sick, they are old and not the things of Christ. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay. Let's just move to um, one of two last questions um in the world of so many teachers and now going back to basically the one of information how is it that we're able to then avoid um, misinterpretation and contradictions because this is also what leads to um being bible literate as well at most because of that poor um misinterpretation and contradiction of um, interpretations as well of scripture so how can we really um minimize minimize such in terms of taking in that information sure let me jump in by studying oh, okay 
Mm-hmm. No, you can go ahead. <laughs> well, yeah, sure, by studying. Uh, maybe let me elaborate. But yeah, by studying. <laughs> um, you see, that's, 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 that's exactly the, the issue that I was talking about it earlier on. Um, and I'll go back to those two issues. Grammatical structure, historical background. Let me give you examples of what I mean. You'd hear somebody today, you know, for instance, reading Jeremiah 11, 20, uh, 29. In fact, let me just turn to the Jeremiah. Um, you'd find someone reading Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Listen, listen to what it says. Um, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. If you are going to ignore grammatical structure, historical background, you're going to think God is saying those things to you. And he's actually not. He's not. The, you see, and, and, and a, lot, a lot of people, when they hear that, they, they get the shock of their life. But that is because they want to always ignore the historical background. Yeah, you know, the, the point, maybe I should start all over again because I'm losing my train of thought. I was saying, because you were asking about, you know, how to, to, to identify what is not true, right? How to identify false teaching. And I'm saying to you, the, the best way of going about that, it is to go back to those two aspects that I mentioned earlier on. Um, grammatical uh, structure and historical background. If you are going to ignore those things, you are in trouble because all you're going to get from scripture will just be wrong interpretations of it. An example would be what I just mentioned now from, from Jeremiah 29 verse 11. If you're going to read that and think God is speaking to you, you are wrong. God did not write that uh, to you. He was not speaking to modern uh, uh, readers, to modern believers. Actually, if you go back to the historical context, you will know that this is Jeremiah speaking to the Israelites, specifically uh, Judah, which was now just about to go to... Are we good again? Uh, he went out. Okay, you can see your card, I believe. Okay. Mm. Yeah, as I said, it goes back to studying. You know, that is how you minimize the misinterpretation and the errors, even though there are so many teachers, right? Mm-hmm. So the scriptures say that you should study to show yourself approved unto God. A white man that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So I think the main issue today is that people do not really study. They just consume and listen to everything that everyone is mm-hmm. without first going to the scriptures, hearing what the scriptures are saying and studying them to get more information, more knowledge, more understanding on that particular subject. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I think we're still waiting for Mbapfosi to return to us um, so that we might then continue with the 
last remaining um, one remaining question. Um, actually, you're supposed to answer the other one before the other. The next one is going to be there. Um, so, so long, just like, subscribe, and share for more of um, knowledge that fills the world like the waters fill the sea. <laughs> I don't know if I misquoted it. Misquoted. I'm misquoting scriptures today. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's more or less along those lines. Have a cook too, verse 14. I know where it is. Mm, mm. I, must devast- I, must, I know where it is though. The knowledge uh, of the- yes. Um, for the knowledge of... The yes, for the knowledge of the mm. glory of God. Yes. Fill the earth as the waters fill the sea. Yes. <laughs> Mm. Laugh at me now, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, that's, that's that's one aspect as well. And yeah, just so long we're still waiting for him. I think I should tell you guys about what's really be going on. We're going to be having a virtual conference sometime early in 2023, which will be based under these very um, same conversations. Um, we're going to have um, um, a lunch at some point as well, sometime in March, um, and. Pretoria, we believe. And yeah, that's some of the major announcements. So just keep liking and sharing and let's get and do Habakkuk 2 verse 14. I don't want to quote it again. <laughs> yeah. Don't. Do not. But yeah, I'm still waiting on him. He's still not cheered. You're also here. Um, so we can get to um, conclude um, this, this broadcast in itself. And then get to you guys really feeling more. And hopefully this is giving you a little bit more good, rendering you good and giving you as much knowledge as possible to really continue. Um, to really continue. So... Um, so those are some of the major aspects of everything as you go into it. So just keep in mind that with Bible literacy, as you've just heard, the back end of things is really also important. The straight out fact of what needs to be heard needs to be on on point needs to be heard we really need to understand how to interpret the word how to really take advantage of this much information which we have as well in in, in these cases right um so these are all all bases of what we we really need to have in terms of um bible literacy um and hope that that is coming into into the fold quite nicely and um, for everyone else, um, and then we, we we really would like to get questions on this as well. We have a WhatsApp group, by the way, that's going to be launching. Actually, it should have been launched um, by the time you see this um, on today's December the 24th. By the time you're seeing this, but it should now be in existence. There's newsletters that just really encourage you um to to go into in, into the word to really motivate you and, and and keep you stand still in the word this is a community where we we meet and and, and get to ready um go along um to affirming the word of of god into our hearts and understanding it into a way that pleases him and pleases god himself um by all necessary means whatsoever so 
um, keep that in mind as well to join that WhatsApp group. The details will be in the description below. Um, that's where you also find them um, to, to really now join that WhatsApp group. There's a link there that you can just pitch in and then and join the WhatsApp group and be part of the community. We only have space for like 1,024 people in the group because that's the limit WhatsApp gives us. But we'll take what we, we can in those cases. This is where we also promote some clips you kind of get before heads, you know, maybe even behind the scenes if we choose to to bring that up at some point. Um, okay, it looks like Bobosi won't be returning because I haven't had any form of response from him. Um, so that we might be able to then continue with um, the conversation in itself, right? But I'll leave it over to Edmond to just clear clear the convo for us. Um, just to clear it, possibly we might. We might do a second part of this. Yeah. Um, we yeah. might do a second part of this, I believe, just to really finish it up and then jump over to, to the next conversation. Um, after that, um, we might do tomorrow, is it? Might yeah. round up a little bit tomorrow. Yeah. 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 I think we might round up something. Um, but by the time you're seeing this, that part will be made available almost on a Monday. Um, right after that, or just basically put together with this. So... Um, before we just continue into it and um, finishing it, we'll go over to one of our other questions, which I want to just briefly say and then we'll then plunge it in um, into into the next episode at most. So obviously, I want to become Bible literate. Where do I start? Okay. Uh, being Bible literate is very important for your body, for your soul, and also for your spirit. Mm -hmm. As a man, as a woman, as a child. So, where do you start? The same place where the Lord commanded those of old to start. Mm -hmm. And I think he'll be taking this <laughs> further yes. for the... Monday one, or actually it might actually appear almost immediately just now. So hope you enjoyed today. Um, and remember Habakkuk 2 verse 14 on Dana confronting faith. It's all about that. And don't forget the confronting newsletter um, for the knowledge of the glory of God to fill the earth as the waters fill the seas. <laughs> I will say it. That is our quote right here. This is where we start with the quote, and this is where we initialize it. Um, we hope to really see you for the short part two. Very short. It's going to be very short. Not going to be very long. Um, but knowing these two, it might be long. But <laughs> hope you enjoy it. Um, and yeah, like, subscribe, and do what needs be. We'll see you next time. Don't forget to pray. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, we ask you today to receive him and remember that just go to your Bible, find a friend in Christ and let allow them to lead you unto him as well. So I'll take you straight from there and I'll say close with the prayer, but not today. Hmm. Uh, not today, on the second part. <laughs> so I um, hope you guys enjoyed. See you guys soon. For the next one, the part two, which will be loading now, now.
very sweet. Appreciate it. Thanks. Bye. Edmund.